are now listening to Let's Talk Trees with me, Anggi Cahyaningtias, a podcast brought to you by C4 and Ecraft. So this is our first ever episode, and for this one, coincides with the International Women's Day, we have two special guests. I have with me here Huria Judy, Senior Scientist with C4 Sustainable Landscape and Livelihood Team, and we also have Ana Maria Paez Valencia, Ecraft Scientist in Gender Unit, joining us from Nairobi. Hi, Huria. Hi, Anna. Very nice to meet you. Hi, Angie. Nice to see you. Hi, Angie. So, because today is a International Women's Day, first of all, happy International Women's Day to both of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and to me as well, because yes. we're all <laughs> we're all women here. So, when we talk about women and environment, I want to ask Huria first. What comes to your mind when we talk about environmental women pioneers. Uh, thank you, Angie. It's really a pleasure to be here today. When I think of these women, when I listen to them, when I see them, this is really a source of inspiration, a source of strength, and a source of hope. Because just imagine those women, what they went through to be able to be in this position in societies where there are a lot of inequitable issues regarding women. So these women, they might have gone through a pathway of changing their lives to be there to voice themselves and voice others. But at the same time, actually, when I think about Pioneer, I have to think about all the women I know from, for instance, my work, all the farmers, the women farmers in the world who are silenced, they are silenced pioneers or silenced champions because those women, they are every day, in every day's life, producing food feeding their families, their kids, feeding the world, and mostly in conditions which are not always the best ones to mm -hmm. be doing so. Mm -hmm. So while the ones who are voicing themselves, the pioneers we see are extremely important, the ones we don't see, the invisible ones, are as very important. Wonderful, Huria. And since we're talking about these invisible pioneers, the women farmers, I need to move on to Anna, who has worked a lot with them. Can you share the story about their life, Anna? Yeah, um, I, I think it also it varies a lot across across context, of course. And I have mostly worked in East Africa and early in my career in Latin America, and, and I can see already big differences there. But talking about women's farmers in, in East Africa, um, we, are, we are seeing women that are often left alone in their farms for variable periods of time because their men or the men in the house go looking for casual labor uh, or non-agricultural activities. In general, um, activities that provide them with a more reliable source of income. So, so these women are left in their farms, having to shoulder then the responsibility of putting food on the table and also continuing managing the farm. So they have to do all or most of the farming activities on their own. And this in a context where land is increasingly unproductive. They have to face not only severe land degradation, but also drastic climate changes um, with uh, very little rain or too much rain which is also making the production of food very unreliable. And um, in addition to facing this number of environmental challenges, in many contexts they also have to face discriminatory institutions and regulations and also patriarchal norms that undervalue their knowledge and their contribution to their families' economies. Can you give us an example? 
in Ghana, for example, uh, in northern Ghana, we saw women don't own land. They are instead allocated pieces of land by their husbands who also decide the location and the size of those plots. So, of course, women um, cultivate less than half an hectare, while men cultivate them for more than four times that, that much. So, and we also found that pre-based um, products like chia and baobab, for example, that are very important sources of income for women, actually constitute over a third of overall cash income in those households. Uh, but those contributions are actually largely ignored by the communities and by the spouses themselves when you go and, and ask them um, uh, about sources of income in the household, they will right away reply that as the household head, they provide most of the income in the household. Um, so this is not only about this, this work overload, but also uh, a lack of recognition of all the work they do. Juria, do you want to add to that? I would like to go back to something which um, Anna actually was saying, Anna Maria was saying, an uh, example of, of Ghana. Uh, uh, talking about the change, there is a change which needs to happen at the community level, what she was mentioning, but there is also something important exactly in Ghana, like uh, about the Shia, we also like work there some, sometimes, and what we see, it's very interesting. The fact that women don't have this access to land in their communities are making them vulnerable to another marginalization, another exploitation, which is a global one. Because then when the companies come to buy the Shia, the Shia, you know, this is now a product which is really booming. Yeah, it's everywhere. Exactly. Everyone loves it. Yes, we love it. It's nice <laughs> for your skin. It's good in the chocolate. But when you look at the women who are producing the Shia, and because of these disparities, Anna Maria is explaining at the community level, those women are not empowered also to, to negotiate their rights and the price with at the global, you know, in the global market. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of work which is done there, which is invisible work. We call it the invisible work of women. This is like walking to the field to get the nuts, washing the nuts at home. Uh, sh uh, preparing the nuts, mm -hmm. getting the wood fuel to cook the nuts. All this work is considered as a woman work, is a part of a normal work for women. Nobody is paying for that. Ah. The companies are not paying for that. When you look at the time a woman spends to get from the she nuts to the butter, if we will pay for this time, the price women will get for one kilo of Shia will completely change. So here we have a connection between them not having right at the community level, mm -hmm. and this get like a condition for other exploitation and other marginalization which happens from different levels. Mm -hmm. So what should be done then? Um, first of all, then is, is exploring further and going beyond and trying to, to find out what are those uh, different livelihood strategies that different household members are um, pursuing, and then also bringing that information back to those families, to those communities, to make it like evident in a public space, like this is what we found. And, and we found that there is a big part of this community that is contributing uh, importantly to households economies, and these contributions maybe are not being um, uh, fully recognized. So that's, I think, mm -hmm. one, one, one thing we could do. 
Why is it so important to give a woman a chance? Uh, well, there are, there are different approaches to this question. I mean, you can look at it from the right-based approach, which would be, we cannot live in societies now in, in, in this year, uh, like in, in this time, where half of the people in the society don't have the same right, don't enjoy the same right, as Anna was explaining, for instance, in this example, that women don't have access to land. This is a human right, to have the same right for women and for other groups in the society. Mm -hmm. And why it is important, because you can only be a citizen, a full citizen, contributing to your society if you also have the right and the responsibilities to do so. But there is another approach to it. Uh, there are so many examples where we see when women and men together uh, work for a change. For instance, in managing community forestries, we see that when women are integrated in the, in the management committees, the management of these resources is better. We also see that, for instance, Education of women has direct outcomes on food security of kids. Mm -hmm. So we see empowering women will come back in terms of outcomes, positive outcomes for the whole society. That's very interesting, Huria. Thank you. But I will have to ask Anna because uh, you also work with a lot of farmers uh, aside from Ghana, also in Kenya. You told me that interesting story about the women farmer who are empowered there. Can you tell us more about that to give this uh, more optimism about what we can do and what will change? Well, I, you're talking about empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think it is important first to, to maybe clarify why what we mean with empowerment. Because this, this can be a, a very uh, controversial or contested concept in, in certain contexts. And it's often due to the fact that empowerment is, is seen as a, a zero-sum game, where there are winners and losers, but there's not necessarily the case. And if you think about that uh, definition, there is really no need to think about winners and losers here. We, we're seeing that women are the ones in the farms, that they are the ones that are uh, doing a lot of the of the farming activities that are also attending trainings, working in groups, uh, attending to community activities, then they should also have the conditions and the opportunity to increase their investments in farming and to actually benefit from that investment. And there is an example, uh, yes, about uh, like the difference of how we see this happening between women farmers in Ethiopia and women farmers in Kenya. Um, and they are both um, facing this, um, this uh, phenomenon of, of, of migration of, of men leaving the, the farms, while Kenyan farmers seem to be very confident of their capacities to manage the farm and um, uh, be able to you know, uh, make it productive, um, even though they still have to consult their husband and they still have to, um, depending on, of course, also depending on the type of decision, they, they have certain more autonomy or not. We see that in Ethiopia, uh, women are felt, felt like they are left alone uh, with no capacity to manage the farm, uh, with uh, uh, so a lot much more work without the knowledge and uh, without the possibility to take decisions. And I think the, the, concept of, the concept of empowerment or the possibility of making those decisions, the possibility of um, 
be able to actually, you know, that self-confidence of, of, of being able to manage those farms it makes a big difference in those two groups. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what makes the difference in Kenya? How can they come with that uh, different condition for women? So, um, the difference probably um, is, is, uh, is related to a number of, of both uh, institutional changes and, and, and uh, normative changes that have um, influenced uh, perceptions and, 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 and uh, beliefs in society, and also um, opportunities that have been opened for women uh, to participate um, in uh, development activities or in actually increasing their, their access to extension service opportunities and capacity building activities that happen at the, at the local level. Um, so referring to those institutional changes um, in, in the last 10 years, in 2010, there was a big change in, in the Kenyan constitution where uh, uh, women were recognized their right to inherit land and they were also recognized their right to the property uh, when they were married. Uh, when they were married. So, uh, there were also a number of, of policies uh, that were developed to tackle uh, domestic violence and there was also some uh, regulations uh, that made uh, mandatory to send girls to school. Okay, so it takes a systemic change to empower women. So I need to move to Huria. You've been working for so long in gender studies. What are the lessons learned? Well, I don't know if there is enough time to say all the lessons learned today, but um, I mean, as, a, as Ana Maria was saying, this is a, this is a very long process. Mm -hmm. And why is like changing gender uh, conditions is a long process? Because gender is, we think always it's about women and men. And in reality, what we learned, gender is not only about women and men, gender is about a relation. It's about a relation in a society, and it's a power relation. The most important thing I learned, one of them, is that you absolutely need to understand which gender context you are in. Because every context in terms of gender is different. Every society, every culture, you might have gender power relations who are very, very visible, like, for instance, the mobility of women is restricted, um, participation is restricted, representation is restricted, but you might be in a society where all this is not really restricted, but women still don't have the same right like men. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we need, I learned that it's very, very important to understand or to stop doing generalizations about women. Mm -hmm. And it came a lot from different um, voices from the global south, from different voices from um, uh, the U.S., like the, the Afro-American movement in the U.S., mm -hmm. where we understand women are not the same. You can you have other determinants, social determinants, which will make a woman in a position, in a specific position in a society. It is extremely important to understand or to stop putting women all the same and putting women all as victims. Mm -hmm. You need to understand what is the vision of the woman or the group you are talking to. Mm -hmm. What is their agency? Where they want to go? What is the changes they are doing already themselves? And then you build on that and you work together. Because the moment you start there, you get a, a much, much, much stronger 
shift or stronger change than coming from you know abroad and then wanting to change something in the way you think you have to change it. Okay, so bring the change from within. Yes. Okay. Um, Anna Maria, have, do you have any comment or do you want to say anything about that? I agree with what Julia was saying, definitely, particularly on, on, on that misunderstanding that is often uh, around the concept of gender and that it is not only about women, that it's actually a relational concept. In it has to do also with the power that mediates relationships between men and women. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, what are the conditions, right? And the what conditions women are participating there? Are they increasing already their overburdened workloads? Are they able to have a say on the use of that of the income that is coming from those opportunities? Or are they facing any backlash from their partners or their communities uh, for their participation in those opportunities, especially if, if the income that is generating is, uh, uh, is, is considerably uh, important in those contexts? So there are a lot of factors around this that, that cannot be ignored. And, and have, we have seen time and time again initiatives that target income generating opportunities exclusively for women that are generating backlash that is actually translated into increased domestic violence um, because it is perceived as a threat, as a threat to patriarchal structure and to traditional beliefs of, of men as the provider in the house. The household. But of course, there is there is a value on creating these opportunities for women and increasing women's economic empowerment. <laughs> and actually, there is evidence around um, women having more uh, income, having an impact on children, nutrition, and overall household well-being. But um, but we have to also understand in which conditions these opportunities are happening, and we have to actually. Uh, influence or, or try to influence uh, in those in those conditions. So, and how does so? How do we do that? We do that by actually engaging men as part of the process, um, or or actually developing a broader engagement with families, um, where these activities are perceived as an opportunity for the whole household and not just uh, a threat. Okay. So um, this is my last question. I should go to Huria. From your perspective, what is the future look like in gender studies and women? Uh, yeah, from my side and looking at you know twenty years of working on natural resource management and always having a gender lens to it, I think that uh, I am very hopeful. So I'm 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 seeing changes happening. I'm seeing a lot, you know, of uh, different movement coming together in terms of improving equality in society in general. And I'm seeing also a lot, you know, in different places, different in, in the youth movement, in the indigenous people movement, in the, there are so many things happening in terms of um, being aware and wanting to move to societies where equity is, is given. And I see this as a very, uh, I'm very hopeful for that. I'm very excited about it. But I think that there are a lot of issues which can be um, improved. And one of them always when you know, I'm reading this reports or being in, in high level workshops. And I just think always, 
I think we talked a lot now, and we talked enough. Now we need to make all this talk happen in the ground. And for this, we need political conditions, political changes. We need also changes in terms of in, in, in the financing uh, systems for you know, interventions and projects, that what we talk and what we learned needs now to be seen and to be applied and to be in the ground that these outcomes won't be just, you know, gender equitable outcomes won't be just like in, in some places for some uh, communities and some people that it will become a large scale accepted change societies will engage with. And for this we need now to move from talking to doing. And there is a lot still to do in terms of diversity and representations of, of women from certain uh, from certain groups and uh, certain regions in so many places. So we need to create this space to give these voices and to empower those women to voice themselves. Thank you. That's a very nice way to wrap up this discussion, Huria. Really, thank you so much for being here, Huria and Anna. All right, that's all for today. And if you like this episode, please head over to the link provided and don't forget to subscribe.